Happy August, everybody. And we are about halfway through Podcast Appreciation Month. If you are digging the love drive and you find this work relevant, important, even crucial to having better relationships with ourselves and with our loved ones, and you want this work to continue, then I invite you to become a contributing lovebird. That means making a small but meaningful contribution to this podcast and to me and my show and the expenses that come with producing a podcast week in and week out for almost two years. To become a contributing lovebird, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash join and put your money where your heart is. And for everybody who has done so, thank you so much. It, it means a lot, the world even. And here is your episode. Every single human being, the moment they are born, is worthy of love and support abundant success, all of those pieces. So it's like, why wouldn't we receive? Today on the show, the power of receiving and this idea that receiving requires vulnerability, and it's actually quite hard to do. Also, the concept that to receive is a gift, which doesn't make a lot of sense, and we will explore that. And by we, I mean Yana Robinson and myself. Yana is an author. She is a friend, and she's also a woman of distinction. Her first book is called This is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck. And there are more books coming up. We talk about the idea that compassion and empathy are required to see people for who they really are. We discuss the power of walking with the masculine and what it means to be available to yourself. And we come back to this concept over and over and over again of how hard it is to receive and what it means to receive with grace and what happens when we are unable to welcome and be available to people's love. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. I'm so pumped. Yeah, me too. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes. <laughs> um, so my name is Yana Robinson, and I am a author and poet, and I do my dance in lots of ways. I also coach and teach retreats and workshops, and I have an apparel brand called This Is For The Women. But the why of all of the things that I do is to empower people to live their truths and be authentic. And that's the heartbeat is truth. How's your heart? So good. Very relaxed. Mm -hmm. Very, very relaxed. I just got back from a eat, pray, love experience that was very unexpected in, uh, in Greece and 
I threw a concussion, which led me into the hands of a this healer named Prem, which is his sannyasa name, which means unconditional love. And uh, we unlocked a lot during our work together. And, and one of the things that showed up for me was like some really deep unconscious stuff in my body that was lingering. And a lot of it I was holding on to which was just suffering and little bits and pieces and stories that I deemed made me unlovable, which I was so surprised to come up upon and to sit with and look at and let go of. And yeah, so this, this last week since returning home and just walking in this world, I feel less afraid to shine and to receive and just everything. It just feels really light and beautiful and just like a really new space in my life. What is it about this idea that it's hard to receive sometimes? Well, I'm an excellent giver. I was once chosen as the best giver in a group of 40 people at a personal development weekend. And I believe personally that receiving is challenging for our society because receiving requires vulnerability. And I don't think giving requires vulnerability. Giving is like ego, you know? It's like, woohoo, it feels great to give, but receiving means we have to be to be vulnerable. And I think also our society right now is highly individualized and independent. And independence is beautiful. I also think as women, it's really important that they women claim their independence. And the only downside of that is that when our strengths are turned up too loud, they become our weaknesses. And independence when it's turned up too loud becomes an inability to receive and an inability to be vulnerable. I grew up in a system where I just didn't really feel safe expressing my emotions, where I often felt that I was mm, sort of punished for them. I wasn't able to be like received in that way. And so what happened, I think, over time is that I felt that it wasn't safe for me to be vulnerable and to share what was going on with with me and to display my emotions. And so I became very, what I thought was independent. And what my therapist says is more of an anti-dependence, where you kind of swing to the other end, right? So there's codependence and then there's interdependence, which is nice, which is us being able to rely on each other. And then there's... Uh, independence, which is normal and necessary. And there's anti-dependence where you don't actually feel safe Mm. relying on people. And I have pretty much been doing everything myself for a long time, especially when it comes to intimacy and emotions. And it's been kind of tough. And I'm now in a position where I'm sharing more of myself with one person, which is something I've been really wanting for a long time. Mm. And I can see my tendencies to sometimes pull away instead of lean in and depend on this person. Mm. It's so nice. I was, I was once told that I was codependent upon myself, (laughs) which is probably a lot like what your therapist said of like, yeah, just relying too much on self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard to, um, to let somebody help me. Mm-hmm. My, my instinct is to say, oh, I can do that myself because I've been doing it myself. But 
my work is to let somebody help me, even though I can do it. Totally. Yeah. We're not supposed to do it all on our own. We, we can, but yeah. And I definitely identify with that. I was, I've been like a, a lone wolf for a long time. Definitely like the last five years, I used to live a very social life when I lived in Edmonton and then I moved into a cabin. And since then I really have relished alone time, but also have almost gotten too comfortable alone sometimes. And so it's yesterday I was just reflecting on wanting to open myself up more to the community that I live in and people around to like have more experiences because uh, I like being a lone wolf, but connection is that's the basis of why we're here. And, and connection to ourself is something to master, which I feel really good in. And just spending time with my father who lives in this tiny village of 30 people. And one of the things I really admire about my father is that he has prioritized his relationship to himself. And he's really connected to himself and his needs and nature and the natural environment. And that's beautiful, but it also needs to be balanced with connections to each other and both in friendships, relationships, our connection to our work. And yeah, so I definitely resonate with what you're saying and the courage that it takes to allow somebody to support us. Because I think we think that receiving is weakness and it's shifting that to remember that to give is to receive and to receive is to give. Yeah, just as much as we like giving, other people like to give to us. I think it's important that we sort of unpack that a little bit this this concept of to receive is a gift mm-hmm. w- is worthy of a little bit of exploration because i didn't really understand that for a while right how could me receiving be a gift but allowing other people to give to us they they need that as well mhm yeah like i need to think of those like pay it forward lineups. I don't know. Tim Hortons. (laughs) You guys don't have Tim Hortons down here. That's a Canadian thing. But when I used to go to Tim Hortons, a common thing there is like this pay it forward where you're going to the drive through and you would like pay for the person behind you and say like, what are they having? And that person behind you is going to be like, whoa, like so cool. Someone bought my whatever, my coffee. And, and for me, it's like, it feels amazing to give. I got to feel like a fucking like superstar, you know, I'm like, yeah, I gave. And like, so it's a gift to be able to give to somebody if they know how to receive it. And it sucks to want to give to someone when they can't receive it. It doesn't feel good. You know, it's like a, a block and it's a, it feels like unnatural. It's like there should be this like circle that goes each way and reciprocal uh, receiving is also important. Reciprocal giving is also important. And many of us are just afraid of receiving because we think it means there's something wrong with us or we're broken or, you know, we've been hurt or people have given to us with something that has strings attached. I'm teaching a woman's group and we're talking about our relationships with money. And it was like, how many of you know somebody who uses money to control? And everyone raised their hands. And it's like, how many of you have had a situation where it's kind of hurt your ability to think that receiving can actually be clean because of how somebody, you know, gave and like everyone raises their hand. So I think it's really important to, to receive and to give cleanly, which is like not expecting and intuitively within that knowing and trusting that if something 
is not reciprocal. You know, we don't need to continue to give to it and we'll figure it out. But just having this courage, I guess, to like, I just bounced around a lot, but like this courage to like allow, allow ourselves to be given to and to receive and to like trust ourselves to receive and to know that like every single human being, the moment they are born is worthy of love and worthy of everything and absolutely worthy of receiving support, love, abundance, success, all of those pieces. So it's like, why wouldn't we receive? Just by virtue of being a human, you deserve all of it. Yeah. That's the barrier. The barrier is that you were born. (laughs) Exactly. Worthy. Check. (laughs) Yeah. You're not less deserving of love, respect, care, affection, attention, all of it. Money. Mm Mm-hmm because of your family systems or how you were raised or how you were treated in your relationships. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to like a fundamental goodness, right? Mm-hmm. We are ultimately fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of this, uh, this idea of, of giving without expectation. You know, we're talking about reciprocal receiving and yeah, there has to be a give and take. Yeah. There also sometimes doesn't have to be, um, there, there doesn't have to be a give and take. I was at this facilitation workshop for three days and I made some really great connections. And sometimes at the end of these workshops, there's a desire to stay connected. And sometimes during these events, you'll have identified ways in which you can connect with somebody or in which you can collaborate or in which you can provide service to somebody. And I remember someone said, hey, I'd really like to help you design your workshop because I love to prototype experiences and it's what I'm good at. And I said, great, that's amazing. How can I help you? And he said, oh, there's no need for that. It doesn't have to be a tit for tat. I could just help you because I want to. And you can in turn help somebody else for something completely different. And we'll both trust that the universe will sort of balance the, the scorecard mm. at the end of the life. And I think that takes a level of trust that maybe not a lot of people have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it depends how we've walked in this world so far. Like I have been an overgiver, like an overcompensator for most of my life. So my work lately has actually been, or for a long time, I actually feel like I'm shifting again, but for a while it was not seeing my worth in my ability to give and to give so much and to give like I was breathing and So it was like, I actually had to do some work with like giving less to balance out some things in my life and to understand and like learn that lesson as well. Something me and my mom both do is we would always, well, I think it's important to be really kind and friendly and to treat all humans like humans. But sometimes with servers, I have this thing that I do that I noticed I learned from her, which is like, we really want to be liked by the server. So we're very like kind and friendly and would like tip a lot. And, but there was like this need to, um, to, to give, but also it was like about being seen. And so 
I've worked a little bit around like unwiring that and going, my worth isn't in giving, giving and receiving is part of life and receiving that I'm worthy just as I am without giving a lot. And what, what a even giving this looks like, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm still think I'm still looking for that balance in relationships though, because I think that I normally give three quarters and because three quarters for me feels normal, I don't notice sometimes when someone's not meeting me because I'm feeling that bit of a gap uh, in relationships. So I am excited in a romantic sense to fall into and experience something that is really reciprocal because I often think that I'm in something reciprocal and then I'll get out and go, wait a second. (laughs) That wasn't so reciprocal after all. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it can be really hard to uh, to have a bird's eye view on your relationship while you're in it. There's this activity that my coach, I'm hoping I'm going to remember it, but it's about hindsight, foresight, and like present day. And it says like, so you, you do like a written exercise where you say, and it's also the coaches Ray and Woodchats, she's amazing. Um, looking Looking back, my past experiences have taught me that and you can kind of like look back at your relationships and then looking forward, like if I were to continue this, this is what would, would happen. And then, you know, what I need to do now, which is like an actionable is. So sometimes that's a nice, I don't know if that will always help, but that's kind of a past future present activity that's like fun to do with relationships sometimes if we feel stuck in some t- something or like something shows up. What's your coach's name? Uh, I have many people that I work with, but this oh, one this, is... Yeah, this one in this particular. One is uh, Rayanne Woodchats. And she has a company called Integrity Seminars that's based out of um, Edmonton, Alberta. It used to be called uh, Personal Best, I think, but it changed names. Um, yeah, it's amazing. That was the first the first thing I ever invested in, uh, in my journey. You have multiple people in your corner. Yeah. And I, I really think that like people, relationships, cities, houses, coaches, like they're for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And so I've had lots of different people that I've worked with. And I actually, um, am having my first session with Gay Hendricks, who is a really incredible coach and mentor who wrote the book called The Big Leap. So we had a consultation when I was in Greece and he works with people on what their zone of genius is, like shifting from zone of excellence or zone of incompetence of like things we're good at, but can make money at to like, what is our full zone of genius and really stepping into our power and our light. So that's who I'm going to be working with moving forward. I'm currently working with a money coach, which is really cool, which is both an emotional and then like systematic coach. Uh, her name's Brenda Louise. She's from Vancouver. And I work with Rayanne, worked with her for almost, you know, nine or 10 years, uh, pretty consistently. And yeah, I've had like holistic sex coaches before and, um, yeah, kind of all over the, in different, different like people too, in the countries that I travel to as well. But those are some of like the most prevalent ones in my life. I just got this impression that you are not afraid to do the work. I actually feel wrong and impatient and frustrated if I don't get to do the work the second it shows up. I I don't like waiting. I was just working with Prem on something. He was like, okay, I want you to do a visualization with a little Yana. And I went, no, I want to do it now. 
she was like, okay, I was going to give it to you for homework. I'm like, no, like it showed up and I want to do it now. And I want to move through it now. When I found my father nine years ago for the first time, I picked up the phone immediately and called him. Like for me, um, there's something in my astrology chart. It's like something in Saturn where I really just like, like there's a very driven part of me that's like, go, 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 mission, mission, mission. And I feel that both with my work and also my um, dedication to continuously discover and own all the parts that I of, of who I am. You are expanding and growing, it sounds like, at a pace that is more than most. <laughs> hmm. Prem told me that I had lived more in my 30 years than some people would live in their life. And then he told me to slow down. <laughs> the healer. So I, I resonate with that. It's about balance. Mm-hmm. And some people will never do a fraction of the work that you have done up until now. And I have a sponsor in AA, or used to have a sponsor. I'm actually not even really going to meetings anymore. I'm, this is my first time actually voicing it, but I have mentors, you know, mentors in AA that I still consider dear and near friends. And one of them says, when I don't talk to or work with other people, I have an appalling lack of perspective. Mm. And I'm just thinking about people that, you know, say, I can do this all on my own. I don't need any help. And it's funny, this, uh, in this facilitation workshop, they said one of the things that they kept on saying was if you do it alone, you do it wrong. Mm. So the importance of relying on other people and on, and on mentors and on folks that have been through it more times than we have been through it so that we can learn with them and get some perspective on what it is that we're going through. I find that incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so important. Sometimes, not very often, but sometimes in workshops or coaching, we'll have clients who, like, they they still want to be their own, like, ruler in calls. And it's like, well, the whole point of me being here is to be your added perspective. And that, like, that that allowing to receive, even after we've hired somebody, sometimes we have resistance with, like, allowing us to go there. And it's such a, it's such an important thing, you know, whether whether it's a professional or in a, in a program or, you know, whatever the context of it is, um, it's huge. And it requires a lot of trust to allow somebody to give perspective on our lives. And a lot of people don't trust. And so that's where it becomes um, unsafe for them. And until we can trust that someone can also tell us something that might not resonate, that we're allowed to discard and not pick up, um, and that we are connected enough to our intuition to let people chime in on things, I think it's pretty hard to also receive that perspective from people. Take what you want and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. I, I say that a lot with my clients. You know, I tell them, hey, if something doesn't resonate, it's okay. It's everything that I offer to you is an offering. It's an invitation. None of it is a directive. It's not a command. It's just what I'm seeing and I have my own lens. And I'm I'm wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for me to be wrong because if you say no, then I have more information about mm-hmm. what is and isn't working for you. 
Mm-hmm. So there has to be trust. And trust is built slowly over time. And so it can be hard to trust a new person in your life, whether it's in a romantic relationship or you've hired a coach to do the work. That trust isn't going to come up on the first call, right? It'll be built up over time. And so one of the aspects is the ability to trust the people that you're going to be working with or the people that you're in relationship with, but also this element of humility, mm-hmm. right? Being humble enough to say, I've got, a, I've got an issue here or I've got an area of development and I need some help. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that and I'm going to seek out support. Definitely. You know, it's funny is that I, well, I'm just such a trusting human, like, I don't know if people might say too trusting, but I show up like really ready and open and available and trusting in, in the first moments. And I usually feel like most of the people that I work with do as well. But it, it is true that like, you know, some of us just need to unravel at different speeds and that patience, patience is also a really beautiful thing, both as a coach and as an individual or a lover or a partner or a friend, any of those things is understanding that. And that's a dance that, uh, yeah, it's interesting because as I walk, I walk very openly in a way that people aren't used to in a lot of ways sometimes. And it can be like a, like, a lot if someone hasn't been that open with themselves. You and I have that in common, by the way. <laughs> yes. And I trust easily as well. Uh, some people in my life, there, there's one person I'm thinking of that f- thinks that every time someone gives them their change back, they're being shortchanged. Mm. And so we'll always check. And invariably, every now and then, we'll find out that they've been shortchanged. And then it'll confirm the fact that people are trying to shortchange them. <laughs> yes. Whereas like I don't I don't look at that, I don't look at the receipts, I don't look at the money, I just throw it in my pocket and if I get shortchanged, okay, I got shortchanged. But I do trust easily in in a way in which I've actually gotten taken advantage of several times. Mm-hmm. And so the work in my th- with my therapist is like, okay, let's find some balance. Let's, let's maybe not look at all of the change all the time, but let's look at it sometimes, especially when it's like the bigger items. <laughs> totally. Like your heart. Yeah. Little, little things sometimes. So it's funny. Someone, someone took advantage of me on the internet. I like hired this guy for 200 bucks to do a bunch of work. And then he just disappeared. I mean, he left me with some stuff, but, but he disappeared. And, uh, and I totally got had, you know, and it really bothered me. It bothered me a lot. So it's interesting. I think because it was someone, it was somebody and I had a relationship with them and we were, we did like some work online together, like on phone calls and video calls. And then they just peaced out. Yeah. Getting ghosted. <laughs> like, why is we're like, well, kind of, that's a combination of someone taking off with some money as well. You know what? I think that when people are avoiding, like, do you feel like they were intent? Did, do you think it was like a, uh, a lack of courage to communicate something to you or did it feel like someone was like, actually they were like ripping you off and didn't want to do the work? It was the former. It was, they actually came back after a while and said that they really apologized for what they had done. They got overwhelmed and embarrassed mm-hmm. and they didn't know 
how to tell me. And so they stuck their head in the sand for four weeks and then offered to do a bunch of stuff. And at that point, I was like, no, thanks. Mm. Keep, keep the money and, and like, you know, I'll never work with mm. you again. Mm. Because I need to work with people that can communicate discomfort. Totally. And it's interesting because I, I, I have, I don't know about the book attached. I feel like a lot of our world has read it now, but I was anxious and I'm definitely shifting into more of a secure space. I've dated a lot of avoided men and it's easy to yell at people who avoid communication and confrontation as like the fucking cowards, right? Like my third book I'm working on is called Cowards Do Not Deserve to Sleep in the Same Sheets as Queens and follows my walk with the masculine and my wound and all a bunch of different things. And so I've gotten really good at like yelling at avoidance and like kind of being high on my like integrity horse of like, you know, fuck off, have the courage. And what I've learned is that both anxious and avoidant people with communication, whether it's romantic business or friendship, is it's all just fucking insecurity. And somebody who's avoiding is just as insecure as I was in that dynamic. And for some reason, it it softens it a little bit of like, not saying that it's okay, but just going, God, that person, you know, is working in the security piece. And I don't know, it helped to take away some of like the bad guy piece for me. But it is a big thing. It's a huge thing. Even in my last relationship that I was with, um, I didn't totally get ghosted, but I got a, a I got broken up with on the phone and it was very vague. And then when I asked for a follow-up conversation, still haven't gotten it, had like one ish response via text message. So I think there's a big thing with our world and avoiding. And I think that it definitely isn't okay, but it is just insecurity coming up really intensely. And there's two sides. There's a side that's going like, God, you're a coward or, you know, feeling there's like one side and the other side is people who are just like, just scared, you know, it's in a lot of, a lot of ways. I see that conversation and peace happening. You're talking about a reframe from you're a coward to it makes sense that you acted that way based on how you were raised. Yeah. And your attachment style and, you know, what communication skills you have, like not saying keep that person in your life and keep allowing them to show up in the same way to hurt you. But just, uh, for me, it's that of, of me thinking that when people were avoiding, like they just, they didn't give a fuck or they weren't thinking about it. But in reality, you know, I did connect with the person I dated, you know, he had thought about it a lot. He just didn't know what to say and was scared, you know, largely to have the the conversation. And it reframed it a bit of like, oh, this person's just like, you know, after you pina colada spending your $200 to this person's waking up every day, guilt ridden and terrified and doesn't know how the hell to communicate with you, um, that they got overwhelmed. Maybe they're dealing with mental health stuff or who, who knows what it is, but it's like, it, it shifts it to a space of compassion and for me, all I need is compassion and empathy to deflate the emotional ball of it and have a bit of perspective. And I know that all human beings deserve communication, integrity, accountability, and respect. That's completely without a given for me. And it's also that piece of when we're not given that, uh, not making it personal. You know, it's like, God, fuck, you know, that sucks. That sucks that you weren't given the skills to communicate or that you couldn't find the courage to communicate. And it says nothing to do with me. 
<laughs> ghosting is not personal. I like to say that it's actually a blessing because that person doesn't have the courage or the communication skills to have an uncomfortable conversation. And I like this idea where you say everybody deserves to be respected and loved and and to be transparent and authentic with. And, and there are some people that are, aren't going to be able to give that to you and it's not personal. And you don't have to have those people in your life if you don't want to do that work. Because it's work to have people that don't have the courage and the communication skills to show up day in and day out. Mm-hmm. authentically and honestly. And you know what? I fail all the time, but I try to repair when I do. Mm-hmm. So we get to choose whether whether we want people in our life and in what capacity. And it's totally okay to say, no, that doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. I need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. You've mentioned walking with the masculine. I'm deeply, deeply intrigued. Mm. Can you tell me more? Totally. And I want to share with everyone listening too. the way me and Sean met was, um, I have a poem I wrote called woman of distinction. And I actually, there's a woman who just did a magazine, all themed woman of distinction that I just picked up, um, the second I walked in for our interview that's ready. But, um, so I was asking my followers, hey, who's some like, who are some men of distinction? You know, my friend Mark Groves is one of the men I always look to of healthy masculine and um, just a space of unconditional love. And and so someone tagged Sean and then we jammed back and forth and Sean's expanded the list of men in my life who um, are men of distinction. And I'm so excited to eat Greek food with him someday Mm. (laughs) and jam more. And I'm really happy to be on this call. And I would love to talk about the masculine. I... So I, I just got back from six weeks in Crete, Greece, and I found my father nine years ago, and this was my third time spending time with him. Um, and about the, the trip two years ago, we really connected, and he looked at me and was like, you know, I really, I just realized I really want to be a father. I want to be your father, and I want to show up. And so um, this trip I, you know, my first moment I get off the plane, he's got dictum OT and we get to my apartment, which he paid for for two weeks. And my father doesn't have a lot of money. So that was a big, a big gift and thing in my house. There's like fresh bread and olives and cheese and, um, like so he hung like sarongs everywhere. He was like, there's no color in your room and had fresh wildflowers. And it was like, just showed up to have such this like nourishing, loving interaction with my father and, and then received rest or, you know, some rest. I took off a couple of weeks. I still kind of worked a bit and was just connecting with also a lot of men in this time, like had a lot of male clients. And I primarily work with women. I'm so open to working with men. I actually love working with men. And one of the people who showed up on a call was an actor and you know I had one of the most profound calls I've had with this guy and he allowed me to hold this visualization with him and his father and at one point he was like bawling and I was just so moved again with the masculine and then I had a an old man in, in my life who had not really 
showed up in a lot of ways say like, can I come see you? I'd love to book a ticket. And he like came from Europe and drove. My father lives like kind of out of the way in the mountains and again, received um, an experience and, and then caught a concussion (laughs) and was forced to further receive rest, like real rest, like no sunshine, just like no screen time, no talking, no, no phones, no TV, no books, like just had to just really receive rest. And, and that was a new thing for me. It was like, you know, self-care is not wearing a face mask while we do emails. And so much of our world is lacks that, I think, balance sometimes, especially when we work for ourselves. And, you know, receiving is, I think, largely about being in the feminine energy and the softness. And I really had to like drop into that space. And I had this really amazing driver who took me from Henya, where I was surfing, got my concussion to my father's village in Terza. And, uh, and again, he was like totally the divine masculine. He was like an ex like race car driver and had like worked for all these like rich people in Mykonos. And I sat in the back and ate snacks and got to relax. And it was just like, there's just so much male energy. And then I landed in the hands of Prem, who is that healer and got rocked to my core, received the most love and support I've ever had in any coach or guide or human for like one to three hour sessions, uh, both body work, like cranial sacral, Cairo bars, acts of, I think it's called acts of consciousness, uh, Reiki, acupuncture, and then also like pulling runes and um, just like a whole gamut of things. And was really like, just just allowed it, completely cleared my schedule. I'd already had two weeks off, got the concussion, cleared a week it wasn't enough time cleared another week you were one I think you got rescheduled as well and it's like just like and I rescheduled things that I didn't think that I could you know it was just like wow it it really took the concussion to like wake me up to the fact that like I had been almost fake receiving in some ways and um how deeply burnt out and tired I was and financially my business was really struggling and I just like on every level, my meta, my metaphor that I came up with at the end is like, I feel like I was like, as a metaphor for my whole life was like, I was having sex with a lover and he was like going down on me. And I was like clamming my knees shut, like barely letting him in because I wasn't allowing myself to receive. And I just had to like open my fucking legs. (laughs) So I like grease just like opened completely opened me and was saying like, yo, you're not receiving, you're not receiving rest. You're not receiving balance. You're not receiving play. You're not receiving love. You're not receiving the full success. You're not receiving your light. You're not receiving money. You know, like you're, you're doing it in all of these ways. And, um, (laughs) it was like just a lot of deeply, deeply rooted in masculine receiving and masculine teachers and masculine guides. And, you know, navigating my relationship with my father. At one point near the end of my stay, my dad got frustrated that he wasn't getting enough time with me because I was like doing all this work with this healer. And so the the last step of me really truly allowing myself to receive was like having to stand up to my dad and say, listen, you've lived your whole life alone in the mountains, being available only when you want to be available to this world 
like just like looks at his phone once a month sometimes and you you this is now a time for me to receive myself and be available to myself and i you you can't not understand that with how you live your life i need your understanding here and i challenged him because he reacted really strongly um just because he loves me and wanted to spend time with me and then we got to have this really beautiful healing conversation around that and so i just got to like oof it was just like a whole receiving journey in many 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 aspects and ways god damn girl <laughs> mm. yeah wow mm-hmm. that's quite the that's quite the trip mm-hmm. yeah. sounds sounds like the journey was deeply powerful for you mm-hmm. it's not even all of it but i you know i was just <laughs> we only have so much time. These are high, like highlights. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I just have, I just get the impression that this is going to have a really, it's going to be very impactful. It already has been. It totally already is. It's like I'm existing so much. It's like a, I'm very relaxed. Um, and just like navigating this world in this like completely different way. It feels like probably some of the anxiousness that I was existing with was like a distrust and an inability or a lack of knowledge to know how to receive. And I feel like I got that hard stop with a surfboard in the head in the hospital and then was really forced to rest into all of what that meant. So I don't want a surfboard to the head for the next time I need a lesson from the universe. I think that when we hurt ourselves sometimes it's just a message and we're not paying attention. I think actually every time we hurt ourselves, it's a message that we're not paying attention to. So I also want to work at manifesting my messages uh, in gentler ways. <laughs> we were supposed to talk that day, actually. Really? Yes. That's what you said. <laughs> Here's a connection that I'm making with the healing that you received from what it sounds like a lot of masculine energy. And something that you wrote recently about macho men mm-hmm. and how women don't necessarily really want or need a macho man. They actually would prefer to have a man that's a lot softer mm-hmm. and that is more malleable and flexible and available and willing to be vulnerable. Yes. Yes, in in a really big way. I had a very profound but simple insight, um, which is that I am in this process fully making myself available to receive, right, and receive everything, including love. And that when somebody is, you know, macho or gets throws up walls or there's games, like all of that for me is that someone is doesn't feel safe to be available to all of who they are. And that doesn't make me feel safe to be available to them. And I'm not really interested in that. It's like, it's not so much about fixing somebody or like, you know, all of these things. It's just like, I just want somebody who is, has the courage to be available to themselves. And I think that, yeah, that's, that's what, women want in men. We want accessibility. We want them to be accessible first to themselves, to know who they are. A lot of 
avoidance or triggers, all of those things are just because there's something inside of us. And if we're not even aware of what a trigger is, it's not safe to lie down in that heart. And the metaphor that I have for that, that I love is if we date someone who has not looked at their stuff and been available to their stories and their limiting beliefs and all of that, it's kind of like walking into a 7-Eleven, kind of like, you know, doing a quick scan and choosing the random guy in aisle four buying Cheetos and saying, hey, uh, can you do an, can you do open heart surgery on me? <laughs> Just like, it's not safe, you know? It's like, obviously, we're always learning and we're always becoming available to new parts of ourselves. But women want men who are accessible to their hearts. And we want men who are accessible to the things that they think are their weakness or their darkness or their shadow and um, who have access to their truths and want to share that with us. And, you know, this like macho wounded bad boy, whatever, or, you know, whatever way, any other personas or anything else that's being offered. I personally, as a woman, I'm no longer interested in fixing men or being a daycare for them, being their mother, their teacher. I want to be a total equal participant in further exploration of who I am and who my partner is and what our relationship can teach us. What you're saying, what I heard you say, is that you don't actually need men to have all of this figured out. Hell no, I don't have all my shit figured out. I went to Greece thinking my life was groovy. <laughs> and then you got hit with a surfboard and look at you now. <laughs> yes, and things are happening for us, not to us. Mm. But you're also saying that there has to be an examination process. There has to be some awareness. There has to be a willingness to look at our weaknesses and our stories and where we come from and how that affects our ability to love and to show up and to open up our hearts and we're going to fuck up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We also have to trust that our partners are going to stick around when we fuck up as long as we have the ability to repair or to try to repair. Mm -hmm. It'll never be even, Mm -hmm. but there has to be a good, this is good faith effort Mm-hmm. There has to be a willingness and availability and the courage to the come, big pieces. Yeah, to come back to the table. Mm-hmm. Totally. The people that I like, that have been the most loving and available, I'll tell them the most scary things and they'll just look at me and go, so? You know, and there's there's no, there's never a running awayness um, with the people that I've experienced really, really beautiful, loving, available connections with, especially with men. It's like there needs to be a willingness and a confidence and a courage. And um, it's just a choice, pretty much. A choice to stay. We all have our stories and we are all raised in a certain way. And our parents have deficiencies. That mm-hmm. They're humans. We all have deficiencies and we pass those on to our children. And the experiences that we have in life affect the way that we are today. Mm. And really, no matter what you did, it kind of makes sense that you would feel that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Based on your life. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I've been focusing a lot on like 
the abundance of going home. Like there's things in my life I didn't appreciate before or like take the time to enjoy. Like I live three blocks from the ocean. And I, the day that I got back, I like went down and like really like enjoyed that and felt so like rich in just like a part of my neighborhood I'd never seen. Or, you know, then I've been the, the next day I went to the park by my house. It's like this beautiful park that's like, all my friends are like, wow, what a nice park. It has palm trees. And I went there and just like spent a couple of hours like looking at dogs and reading and like enjoying this like abundance of my neighborhood. And, and then I went to the grocery store and I appreciated the abundance of choices. You know, there's like so many different kinds of, you go to like the Indian aisle and there's like so many different spices and curries. And then I came home and looked at all of my clothes and just appreciated all the different fabrics and colors and just like what I already have and all of the food in my cupboards, like opening up and looking at, you know, you're like, I'm so hungry. It's like, we have so much usually that we just that we're not seeing. And that's a big part of manifesting abundance is like seeing what you already have, like getting in that space of um, just appreciating and acknowledging. Like when we're focusing, it's like when you're cranky and you go outside and like the whole world sucks. And if you can focus on the abundance of what's there, um, I think just more comes to you, you know? I've just, I was listening to you and sort of drifting with this huge smile as you talk about all of the things that you were essentially grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah. And then I was just thinking about this bag of lentils that was sitting in my cabinet. <laughs> that, like if I was hungry, I would look at that and be like, fuck that. Like, I don't, I don't want... And someone else would be like, ooh, a bag of lentils. <laughs> I can make such a great meal with those. Yes. Uh, we have time. We have we have uh, as much time. You can just run off the call as soon as you need to run off the call. I love it. But I want to make sure that we uh, talk about where we can find you. So let's just do that now. Okay, cool. I want to talk. Can we talk about my book that's coming up really fast? Because I'm so excited about it. This would seem like an appropriate place for that. Right? So I've realized also that I have been not um, spending enough time on some things in my business that like feel like the best things, like the most fun things. I got kind of distracted and I've been working a lot on discernment and it was like, God, I have like eight books worth of content. I'm sitting on this wealth, again, abundance, wealth of content. I have thousands of poems. Like I don't need to write books. I need to organize them and like put them into the world. And Like, you know, I had a limiting, I have had a limiting belief. I'm still working through it now, which is that, you know, I can't make all of my money just as a writer. And, you know, I was told that at some point, like most people are told that artists can't make money and um, have done a lot of things as an entrepreneur that have been in alignment and have been fun. And I've learned so much and so much of my writing comes from the things that I do, but like, I'm just so excited right now. I'm in this space of now organizing this wealth of content that I have. And it's so exciting. I just said yes to it when I was in Greece and, you know, we're finalizing covers for my book already. I'm also going to go in and record an audiobook for my first book the next couple of months, which feels really exciting. And the second collection of poetry, um, I name, I'm going to name probably like my first five books off of one of my favorite poems, like one of the titles. So my first book, This is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck, is a poem that I wrote like four years ago 
Um, so this next book is called There's Cobwebs on Her Vagina. And mm. it's a poem I wrote after working with a client who is healing some sexual shame. She grew up in a really religious um, family. And I was just like shocked with some of the repression stuff. And um, it's a skit with like a gynecologist, a daughter and a super, uh, I don't know if it, purity rings are catholic or christian but um it's a skit where like the gynecologist is doing a checkup he like comes up and he looks at the mom and he's like oh there's cobwebs on her vagina and then he goes into this rant saying like it's from a society that shames women for enjoying sex and puts purity rings on their fingers and promises them a way to god because god is the only one that loves you and pleasure is shameful and then it like goes off on like, it's like a four page poem with all these pieces. And um, so one of my favorite things that I've ever written, I actually see it as like a film, which I'll create at some point, like a little short skit. And uh, I, <laughs> so that's my, that's my, my next book title. And it's also really ironic because I haven't had sex in so long. And I'm like, wow, this is really feels appropriate as a book title right now. Because <laughs> I'm like taking a lot of space to let go of my last person I've been with. And I've just been going through some personal discoveries. And that's like a fun, a fun thing. And a funny thing also with my metaphor of receiving. It's like, yeah, I'm sure there's something tied in there. So that book is on its way and I'm really excited. I'm working with this hilarious editor who I love and like the cover is feeling super good. And that's kind of like what I'm working on. You were asking where people can find me mm -hmm. um, and I write on Instagram and my name is pronounced Yana, but it's spelled J-A-N-N-E Robinson. And that's my Instagram handle. And then my website is just same thing, yanarobinson.com. Um, yeah, and Instagram is kind of like the most prevalent place that I feel like most of our world is. It's like our new blog at this point. Instagram's interesting. I think it's cool. It's bringing people together. It's also... It has its own challenges. I'm excited about your books. I'm thrilled about an audiobook because I absolutely adore your voice. And I want to hear you read your poems. Thank you for saying that. I took singing lessons a year ago to work on my voice when I do public speaking or workshops. And I feel really excited about my, my reading voice and my talking voice and sharing my stories from my voice. Feels pretty cool. Could you do us the honor of leaving us with one poem? Yeah. I actually wrote something a couple of nights ago because I dreamt of a, an ex-lover when I came home. This is kind of like more of like my prose where it's like, it feels a bit like poetry when I read it. And I haven't shared this one yet, but I'm so happy to share it here now. There's no title. <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> I dreamt of you last night and it was with a great sigh because you don't really deserve to be the man of my dreams anymore. And I haven't dreamt of you since I left this land, but now I'm back, and so are you. And this is quite defeating to dream of you, but also sweet in a way that my heart is saying, I'm still not through with you. In my dreams, you are soft and loving with me. You come to me in the way I only come to you in my dreams. Soft. As we both know, there have been wars and trenches and broken hearts, but with a tenderness and love of new lovers. 
and we will not be new lovers. No, you made sure of that, and I am still weary for it, even though I know it is best and we are not for one another. Yet in my dream, when I touch you, you stay, and when you touch me, I melt, and we lie in the grass, and I ask you to hold me, but I do not need to ask you, for your arms are already asking for my shoulders. And I don't worry about beginning again, for you are old to me in a way that is safe. But I do worry what the hearts and eyes and mouths of the people in our lives may think. For you dropped me quite suddenly and quickly, and the people in my life wrote you off as they saw my pain. And to write you back into my life will be challenging, but we aren't thinking of that now. I'm drowning in the feeling of your warm skin, the way it was the first few days we explored one another. In the wooden basement of an old character home, in the soft morning sunshine with cold toes and warm, curious hearts. Kissing till we felt drunk off love or the hope of love. Drinking coffee with too much cream and honey for me. But we are in your den, and I want to drink your coffee how you drink your coffee, because I wish to know you. I wish to know all of you, and so I touch all of you softly with my lips and my hands and my eyes, and we just stand there for what feels like hours in that one warm, sunny spot, like fools who have stumbled upon all we search for in this world. And when it cannot possibly get any more beautiful, Suddenly, someone upstairs starts to play gentle piano that reaches down the wooden beams of the house filled with morning light, and it's almost so perfect that I cry. There is a little girl inside of me who lives for these love stories, for she dated men when she was younger who lacked the eye for romanticism, and she was basically born a female Shakespeare, peddling over lilacs, fresh baked cookies, and a journal full of love letters to all the boys she liked. And I wish for both of us that I was dreaming about being in the arms of a different man, because you've expressed through your silence that you don't wish the lot of me, but it's you I dream for, and although I try to reject the sweet notion of you from my heart when I first open my eyes, I lie there for a moment inside of it all. Thank you for opening your heart to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It was nice to share that one. That's a beautiful piece of you. Hey, lovebirds, thank you again, of course, and always for spending an hour with me and Yana this week. I really, really appreciate it. And I know that your time is valuable. So thanks so much. And I have two things that I'm really, really excited about that I'm working on currently. One of them is a group program for 12 people only about desires, needs, and boundaries. So how to identify your desires and needs, how to get them met, and how to talk about all of that, including boundaries, how to set boundaries in a healthy, loving way. So I'm working on that. And that's open for 12 people only. If you want to find out about this when it's ready, 
go to thelovedrive.com forward slash newsletter and sign up. I'm going to be sending emails out for this. And I also have a book list that I'm working on, which is a free resource of the books that have been impactful for me in my life and my work. And I'm going to send that out to the email list as well. So thelovedrive.com forward slash newsletter. Have a beautiful week.